And the social worker was like talking to me about Cooper and it was, you know, really focused and Sawyer was climbing up in between my legs and he was like turning my face and he's like, mama, talk about me now. And I will never forget that. Hello, my brave friends. Welcome to episode 90. I'm Jessica Pate, your host of Brave Together Podcasts, and I am so glad that you are here. I call the siblings in a disability family the sacred siblings. They are. They hold such a sacred space in the family, carrying the beautiful and the brutal sides of being a brother or sister to a loved one with a disability. And while they grow up to be amazing human beings full of patience and grace and resilience, it does come at a price. Our guest today, author and activist Kate Swenson, shares a sweet letter she wrote to her second son, Sawyer, when he was just four years old. Sawyer's older brother, Cooper, who is nonverbal and diagnosed with severe autism, was six at the time. When my boys were six and four, I visited a therapist for myself. I felt selfish about it because I was so busy with kids and work that fitting in time for my own mental health seemed impossible. But after some gentle urging from a friend, I managed to find 60 minutes to block off for self-care. I wanted to talk about Sawyer. The therapist's prescription was simple. Write a letter to him, one that he could read when he was older one that could help him understand why our life was the way it was. She said it would be therapeutic to get it all out. That weekend, I climbed into my bed and started writing. My little Sawyer, I want to tell you a few things. At four years old, I know you won't understand them, so I am writing them down for you to read when you are older. Someday, when mom is old and gray, I want you to read this letter. I want you to understand. It's a thank you and an apology and a dose of reality. First, I want to thank you for simply being. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for being my son and a brother to Cooper. That probably sounds silly, but the world is such a better place with you in it. And on your hardest days, kid, please know that. You have so many gifts to give this world. I want to thank you for growing up too. Again, probably silly, but you are so unbelievably lucky because you get the gift of aging and becoming a man. And you and I both know that not everyone does. You are lucky, Sawyer. You get to learn independence and success and failure too. You get to sneak a beer and feel the thunder in your chest at your first concert. You get to drive a car, kiss a girl, walk across the stage at graduation and vote. These are gifts, son. Thank you for giving me so many precious moments. Your first word was mama. I cried. I can still see you catching your first fish. You were wearing a fleece camo jacket. You were so proud of catching a fish just like your dad. You learned to ride a bike at three. That's amazing. You potty trained yourself by watching me work with your brother. You have always been fiercely independent. You were never sick. You learned everything so effortlessly and simply. You gave me a part of motherhood that was free from worry. Thank you. I have a feeling that you won't always be easy. 
You're going to be just like your dad and give me lots of trouble. Your grandma Swenson tells me stories about your dad that give me heart palpitations. Go easy on me. You know I'm a big baby. And please, don't ever ride a motorcycle. I want to say I'm sorry too. I don't ever want you to think I missed out on your life because your brother needed me more. I was faced with choices, Sawyer. So many more than most parents. It wasn't fair having to choose, and I like to believe I made the right ones. You may think different. I don't know yet. I worry that you may resent Cooper. I hope not. I think I can safely say that all parents fear the repercussions of having a child with a disability, and not just on their own life, but the repercussions on the siblings. How do the siblings feel? How do they perceive this unique family story and all the dynamics? Do they feel neglected, forgotten, alone? Are they worried and wondering about their brother or sister? Do they have survivor's guilt? Are they upset with us, the parents, and how so much time and energy gets pulled into the direction of the child most impacted? The truth is, we can try to compensate and communicate and validate the sacred siblings, but we cannot control the outcome and ripple effects. It is a hard truth that we must radically accept. I want you to know that I was always watching. You may have been throwing a pitch at a baseball game or scoring a goal in hockey and looked to the stands and just saw dad or grandpa and grandma. I was watching, kid. I am always watching. Even if you can't see me, I see you. I may be watching from the car with your brother or wandering behind him in the bleachers or seeing it on a video. I will never miss a second of your life. I promise you that. I learned early on that if I wanted to give you a normal life, I would have to share you. So I found people I trusted who would bring you along. I will never be able to thank them enough for including you. There were so many days that I missed you too, and I would feel tears spring to my eyes as I watched you run off to go to the park with the neighbors or visit the zoo with family. I was jealous. They got you. For years, I watched you grow up through photos and videos sent to me by other people. They will never know the gift they gave me for taking you and showing you the world when I had to be at a therapy center or a hospital or keep your brother safe from himself. And last... I want to tell you something that may surprise you. I don't know what your relationship is going to look like with Cooper. I have hope though, so much hope, that someday you see the gifts and beauty that he brings to our lives and not the aggressions, the struggles, or the missed events. You are lucky that you have autism in your life because you get to see a side of the world that most adults never get to. You get to see hope, resilience, differences, And you get to see the fight, the evil, the sad parts too. When you were younger, I felt bad. I no longer do. You get the gift of knowing Cooper. And you have a choice, kid. You can change the world for him and help me give him his best life. And that is a blessing. Let having a brother with a disability change you for the better. See differences. See the underdog. See the discriminated and the forgotten. And give them a voice, kid. Speak so loudly that your voice shakes, even when you're scared. 
I love you, buddy. What would you write to your neurotypical children if you knew they would read it when they were older? Is there anything you wish you had said? Is it ever too late to share your heart with the sacred siblings? I don't think so. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad to be with you today. Thanks for having me. Well, I thought it was particularly wonderful that you chose a sibling story for today's episode, that that was the story that you wanted to share, that you had written to Sawyer when he was four, and he is now nine. Yep. Ah. When you wrote it, well, now when you read it, looking back five years, what stands out to you? Well, it's it's so interesting because, so I have this really kind of beautiful, sad, powerful memory of having a social worker at our house when Sawyer, like right before I wrote that letter. And the social worker was like talking to me about Cooper and it was, you know, really focused and Sawyer was climbing up in between my legs and he was like turning my face and he's like, mama, talk about me now. Like mama, talk about me now. And I will never forget that. So when I wrote this book, I put as much Sawyer in there as I could because he is such an important part of my story. I wouldn't be the mother I am without him. I wouldn't be the person I am without him. Looking back on that letter, a lot of it still rings true. The only difference is that Sawyer and Cooper now have a, a more of a relationship than they did then. Back then, there wasn't much of any. Two separate ships in the night going opposite ways. And now, um, like last night, they spent an hour wrestling. <laughs> so um, they have really grown into each other, I like to say. Oh, I love that. I love that. Because in the early years, you're probably wondering, especially before others came along or before the younger ones grow into having playtime and interaction with the elders, you wonder, is Sawyer going to feel like an only child? Does he feel like an only child right now? And so to see that growth, oh, it just fills our hearts. Yeah, I remember, like, I I don't know if I have a good memory or if it's just burned in my heart, but I have so many memories of him saying, like, why doesn't Cooper like me? Or why doesn't Cooper play with me? Or why doesn't Cooper talk? I mean, he had so many big questions, and we chose right away to answer them. We have talked about autism and disability and differences openly and honestly, and I don't regret that. I'm not, I don't know if that's just our story, but that is something that I have chose to own, and I'm proud of it. And I think because of it, you know, Sawyer is such a huge advocate now. But when we had our third son, Sawyer said to me, and this is in the book as well, Sawyer said to me, he's like, thank you, mama, for giving me a brother. I'm not lonely anymore. And I didn't know he was lonely. I had no idea because my husband and I were doing so much to give him a typical life. And it, you know, it was like this kind of this like, you know, kind of like a tough, tough slap in the face. Like, oh, we didn't do enough, you know. Well, and the truth is, you know, 18 years into this journey, so Ryan, my special one, is now 18, we really can never do enough to make up for it. We really can't do enough, but we have to trust that our intentionality and our effort and our love and our time and attention and giving our kids, our other kids, a voice 
does help. It does, but we can't we can't fix every wound. Just we just can't we can't do that anyway in a, in a in a typical family, right? I mean, every family grows up with myths and hurts and wounds, and you thought so and so was the favorite, you know, all these things that do develop in typical families, anyways. I remember vividly um, realizing when autism affected more than just me. It was like um, a really big eye-opening experience watching my husband go through things differently. And I'll never be a sibling to a special needs child. I don't know that. I'll never be, I mean, I may be a grandparent, but I'm not there yet. Like, I don't know how the different pieces interact. So once I realized that and really started listening to Sawyer and letting him ask those questions, it was life-changing. And have big feelings, right? They do. And they have big feelings. They have big thoughts. There's a whole world that's going on inside of them, whether they say it or not. And for us to say to my kids, I see you. I know there's a lot going on. I know that you have hurts and dreams and ideas and things that you think about and feel. I see you. Mm -hmm. I was just talking to another mom and she says, I really try to speak to my kids' hearts. And I just loved how that sounded. Isn't that pretty? Because, I, I, yeah, I want Sawyer to know. Did you know that one time he said to me, he's like, I wish I could have autism too so I could be special. And it's like, okay, I'm doing a really good job making sure autism seems special. I hope I'm making Sawyer seem special. So I try to really speak to his heart now and my other kids too. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. What is one of the greatest things that Sawyer has taught you? I would say just unconditional love. He loves his siblings so much. He's, I call him a Sour Patch Kid because he, um, like this morning we did math homework and it was not a nice moment. I don't want to ever do it again. <laughs> but then as it was time to go, he hugged all of his siblings goodbye. And he's just so loving. And I hope we model that for him and that, that that's where it's coming from. What is something that you would want to tell parents who are new on this journey about the siblings? I call them the sacred siblings because they're just amazing, right? They're just amazing. Yep. Well, you know, we've had a unique nine years. I, In the beginning, we really couldn't give Sawyer a typical life. We couldn't. On Fridays, we came home from work and our doors were locked and our windows were safe and we had, we stayed at home and we didn't leave again until Monday. And that's before sports and that sort of thing. And we had a lot of, I had a lot of guilt about that, about not going to play dates and parks, but we just couldn't. It wasn't, we weren't able to safely. So play with your kids, really just get down and play with them. Give them as much as attention as you can. I think that's more important than gifts and presents. A lot of times we spoiled Sawyer because we had guilt and The time is just as important as anything else, if not more. And talk to them and encourage them to ask questions. Just the other day, Sawyer, he goes to Catholic school and he came home and he's like, I had to do the rosary for three hours, mom. And it's so so funny. And he's like, but one of the things I asked was if God was still building Cooper's voice. And I was like, I mean, he's so sweet. And I don't know how to answer it all perfectly. I don't know. But I try to talk about it. And I don't want him to ever be scared to ask. So encourage your kids to ask questions and and, and be comfortable with that. I like that. Absolutely. And, and reminding them that their voice matters. I wish I would have said that from the time that Luke and Kate were two years old. 
your voice matters in this family. Your hurts matter. Please speak up. I'm not a mind reader. Let's talk about everything. Yeah. We've had some huge gains over the past couple of years. And just this last winter, we were able to go to this outdoor light park at Christmas. So think like a million twinkly lights and you walk through. And that's something that's brand new for Cooper. I mean, he was able to go, but we had to walk fast. We couldn't pause. We couldn't stop and see Santa. And we couldn't get hot chocolate. And after Sawyer was just bummed, you know, he was like, I wanted to do the s'mores and I wanted to do the hot chocolate. And we just really talked to him and we're like, buddy, but we went, oh my gosh, we went, we had so much fun. We can do this instead now, but it was, you know, he's allowed to have those feelings, like be bummed that he missed this part because of this, but we try to explain why and then really show our progress. I think it's registering. I think (laughs) validating how he feels. Yeah. It's disappointing. So wait a minute, get to, I wanted to do the s'mores too. Me it too. is disappointing. Yeah. It's such a bummer, right? And then, you know, keep going. And I think that's so, it's so critical to validate, you know, and I'm hearing from my, my bigs, my, you know, my 16-year-old and my 21-year-old now that I could have done a better job validating. I thought I was validating. I thought I was putting, you know, the platter out just saying, it kind of, kind of sucks sometimes. It's just kind of hard, isn't it? You know, I thought I was opening up those lines, but I, I'm hearing from them that they needed more. They needed more validation. And uh, it, it is a critical, it is a critical piece. How do you talk about how sort of family life is altered? Like family outings or what you do or don't do as a family is altered because of what Cooper needs. Do you talk about that with your other kids? We do. And, you know, there's good and struggles with that as well. So for example, Sawyer's very active in sports. He's in two hockey leagues and a baseball league and play dates. And he's, he's a really busy kid. So a lot of times my husband and I will split up. So one of us will take Sawyer and the other one stay home with the other kids. Often because I am breastfeeding and I am Cooper's person, I stay home. And I've had Sawyer say things to me like, well, Cooper needs you more or dad, let's go do this. And mom will just stay with Cooper. And, and I, I worry that he's starting to, and that's what the big part of that letter is about. Like, know that I am there, buddy. I am watching through video. I'm watching through stories. I'm not missing your life, but I worry that he's going to have regrets. And so because of it, we've really worked hard putting in care attendance for Cooper and trying to find that balance. It's not as easy as you think. It's not as simple as getting a babysitter, but we've made a lot of progress. And then we're never going to stop trying to bring Cooper places. But when we do, it's work and we're going to keep working. And our dream is that he can go sit at a hockey rink or sit at a baseball game. He can't yet, but maybe someday. This is a little tangent, but I appreciate your voice on that, Kate, because when you don't have a child that struggles in any way out in the community, out in the world, you just take for granted. You just, you just go places. You just do. Right. And how you have shown through the years, Cooper's progress and the steps that you've taken, the work that you've done, and just to shed light on, on the caregiver experience in that way. And, and also the triumphs. I want to, we always want to celebrate all those triumphs. I mean, everything to us. So thank you. Thank you. Well, I just talked about this last night on a um, live about marriage that I, I have areas that like I need to make 
gains in, right? Where I struggle. Like I do have a little envy of other families. Like you just said, when I see them all, like six of them at a hockey rink, I'm like, you don't know how lucky you have it. Like I had to move mountains to get here. And I'm like on my phone, like hoping nothing happens. And then they're like, I, you know, I get really envious if I see families like stopping at a restaurant. We have never in 11 years went out to dinner as a family. We've never stopped at a restaurant. We can't run into a gas station or Target or the grocery store. These are moving mountains for us. So one of my goals is to like kind of overcome some of that envy or just acknowledge it and that be like, this is hard for us and not be mad that it's easy for others. Does that make sense? (laughs) Oh, it makes perfect sense. You know where it, it hits me, Kate, is family vacations. We don't do family vacations anymore because it's just too hard for Ryan taking him out of his routine. It's a weird thing in PWS, Prader-Willi syndrome. Like he, he becomes insecure, like we're not going to feed him. It, it doesn't make any sense, right? We, he's never missed yeah. a meal or a snack in his life. We follow a food schedule, but he gets very anxious and insecure about food when as a collective, as a whole family, I have found that I can take him one-on-one somewhere but it's still hard and it, there's still a lot of variables and factors and plates that you're spinning and hoping and praying things go well. But as a family, we don't travel together. We don't go to restaurants together. And and I, I get that when I see people post pictures of a family trip and I think, oh, Oh, spring break time is super hard. And, you know, our dream is to, I mean, get on a plane. That's our dream. We're not there someday. Maybe. So this year we went to a water park for the first time as a family and we stayed for three nights, but we're talking, we moved mountains. We rented a cabin. We brought all of our own food. We brought four other family members to help. We rented a cabana so we could have a place for Cooper to be safe um, and, you know, take a swimsuit off and relax. We have the Wi-Fi. It's so funny. Like it's a victory. Like we were there, we did it. And, you know, we lump a lot of our chaos together. We have a three-year-old who's just wild a baby who's just just a spoiled little nursing little sweet little angel and I mean Sawyer is a lot I mean all of our kids are a lot so we lump it all together uh, so but you know looking at other families it's like oh you're so lucky I know I know and then we have to pause and remind ourselves of some of the beautiful things that that come out of this hard journey. Just our own personal transformation, the siblings' transformation, marriage transformation. I mean, we are just better human beings because of Cooper's and Ryan's, right? We just we just are. I always say Cooper gave me the gift of sight. He like I see things differently. I see the good. I see good people. I see kind people. I see people that are not so good and that are using us. And I just really don't have time for friendships that are not 50-50 or, and and he's done that for me. You know, you know, people that acknowledge him, I know are good people and that drop off a coffee on my porch are good people. The people autism has brought into my life. I mean, you, everybody, like we know the best people, right? I say that all the time. So there are so many gifts, but it took me a lot of years to acknowledge that. And I, I'm in the good place now. I'm over the, over the mountain. I hear you. I hear you. I I spent some years in grief that was sticking to me. Like I, I always say the grief in, in special needs motherhood or in disability world is cyclical. It's not linear. It's not, you know, oh, I'm, I'm over it now. It's cyclical yeah. and it's okay. It's totally normal. But there were years when I was kind of stuck feeling resentful and, and bitter and, and grieving. Yeah. And, and it took me a while and some therapy and some time just to, to get over that. 
a big part of my book is about pausing and acknowledging. And so you can't, you can't grow in something if you won't believe it's that it's really real. And when our kids are diagnosed, I hit the ground running. So I was like, okay, we're going to get therapies and the diets and we're going to get, we're going to get him caught up. You know, this isn't that serious. We're going to really get him to where he needs to be. And when it dawned on me, you know, this was forever and Cooper was on the severe end of the spectrum. And I hit my bottom and not in the sense where anyone outside of my world would have known. I mean, I still went to work and love my kids and did all those things, but I, I wasn't grieving and just acknowledging. And once I did, then I really moved forward. Mm. So while we're talking about your book, let's, let's tell our listeners about it and, and what's, what's at the heart of it. Yeah. So it's called forever boy and it came out April 5th and it's a memoir it's my story, which I like to say. I mean, Cooper is definitely part of the whole entire book. My marriage, our other kids, school journey, medical journey, all the things, the journey to diagnosis, all of that. But it's really about my transformation. And I had this epiphany that I was missing Cooper's life being sad about the things that he would never do. That's not who I am. I'm a happy person. And I almost didn't recognize myself. And really the steps I took to pick myself up and find the joy in our life, which there is a lot, there's so much and really help him and meet him where he was at. I can't wait for all all mothers to read. And I hope they do. I hope they pick it up because we need to know that we're going to, you know, feel better when you're in those early stages of diagnosis. We need to know that, yes, there is joy. Yes, there is goodness. Yes, there is hope, even amidst chronic hardship. Well, and so your story was, you know, many years ago too. So Cooper is 11. Even 11, 10 years ago, there wasn't a lot of positivity around disability. There weren't, there wasn't a lot of support online. When I Googled severe autism for the first time, it was dark, grainy YouTube videos and not good things that should not have been online. Now I'm hoping that my story is really a lifeline for moms to know like what you went through was real and it was hard and you're going to make it through. It will be Kate. It will be a lifeline. It will be. Thank you so much. Thank you. And back to Sawyer and the letter, the beautiful letter that you wrote to him. Have you shared that letter with him in recent years? So I haven't, but I'm having a book launch party for our family and friends. And he really wants to come. And, you know, he's my biggest fan. He's brought my book to school every day and he shows people. He's so sweet. So I thought we'll just bring him and then I'll read it to him there. And oh, I think that'd be so sweet. There's not going to be a dry eye in place. I know. Better bring Kleenex, Kate. I'll cry. Oh my gosh, I'll cry. Aww. You know, we're past the super, or, or we don't have right now, the super hard aggressions and the self-injuring and the eloping. And, you know, Cooper loves school and we're, we're in this really nice place for him. He's He's thriving. When I had to write this book and go through 10 years of his life of the hardest moments, it was really emotional. Can you go back? Like I can in my mind and I'm like, oh, I want to go. <laughs> I can go back because I talk to a lot of moms who have babies, newborns that are newly diagnosed with prader willi syndrome. And I can yeah. go back like that. I can oh go gosh. back to those early days. You see <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, thank you for you. Thank you for who you are and all that you're doing to encourage and support 
moms and families. Thanks for having me. This was fun. This was great. If you could do us a great favor by leaving a review and a rating, it helps our podcast get into the ears of more and more moms. Also, if you have never joined the international community and sisterhood of We Are Brave Together, go to our website, wearebravetogether.org, and fill out the little form to be a part. We are here to support you and validate you, encourage you, and give you resources for your journey as a mom. Thanks so much for listening.